Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Bon, and this is a podcast about video games, speculation, reviews, and whatever else I feel like chatting about. This week, we'll be talking about Call of Duty's new modes, the Game Awards nominees, and Xbox is on sale, and much more. A few things before we get started. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, and if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please review the show. On YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like the video, and comment with your thoughts or to just say hello. A huge thanks to the supporter-level patrons, PK, The Dawn, and Caged Nephilim, and a special thanks to producer-level patron, Hassan. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, please check out patreon.com slash bondiesel or subscribe with your Twitch Prime sub over at twitch.tv slash bondiesel. Okay, so some gaming news. Uh, Call of Duty put out its two new modes uh, this week. So uh, a couple weeks ago, the game uh, released its multiplayer for the first time since I think I was in college. I hit uh, level 55, or I think technically 56, uh, in the Call of Duty multiplayer. And I've really been enjoying it. Uh, super frustrating, super annoying, people jumping around and doing stupid stuff, but still really satisfying, especially when you have a good game. So I was interested in the two new modes coming. Uh, well, new-ish. So the DMZ mode, which is a uh, extraction-based mode that they've uh, added in, uh, as well as Warzone 2. Warzone 1 obviously being a gigantic, crazy hit that a lot of people really enjoyed. Uh, I would still argue that the iteration before that, that I think came with a Black Ops uh, game that came out before 2019, um, was actually my favorite version of their multiplayer. It felt um, much more Apex uh, Apex Legends ish, but you know, Warzone came out hyper successful. I wasn't super into it, but uh, I did uh, tag it, uh, I, I did uh, tag in a little bit. Um, but now these two new modes so, um, DMZ is what I've actually played more of, and the reason is I like Escape from Tarkov a lot, I like that extraction based uh, thing because I like that it's like mostly PvE with like the risk of, PV of PvP. And um, DMZ does that really well, in my opinion. Um, the main complaint I've seen is that people feel like it's like pointless, that you know they don't know why they're playing DMZ. And there, there's missions and there's things to do, and there's like high value targets, and um, you know you are trying to extract loot to use in other runs and stuff like that. Um, but I get that criticism, especially for people that are coming from the Warzone experience where someone wins and everyone else loses. That's not what happens in DMZ. In theory, everyone can get into DMZ and everyone can get out. Um, and I will say, I think I've done maybe 15 or 20 rounds of DMZ and I we've run into other players two times, uh, at least in my experience. Now, to be fair, we weren't like going, uh, at least I, uh, in the games I've played, um, the teams I was on weren't like actively going after other players. Like we, um, there are signs that things are happening. Um, if you wanted to go in and you were just hunting other players, you could do that for sure. 
the first experience I had with other players was we were busy shooting up a, a stronghold, uh, a PVE stronghold uh, with a bunch of AI, and the team came up behind us and murdered all of us really quick. The other thing that happened was kind of interesting. Um, a, a team of other players rolled up in a car and all jumped out and started shooting at us. I thought they were NPCs. I didn't think they were real players. And, you know, without bragging, because it was dumb luck, I wiped all of them. <laughs> they killed my two other um, teammates. And then I, I flanked around behind them. And, and I don't, they must not have realized they only killed two because they were all looting. And I just wiped them all out. <laughs> it was kind of easy. Um, so... The DMZ mode is definitely the one I actually kind of prefer because it's it's borderline like chill. It's a lot of PVE, um, but it has like the NPCs will like randomly roll up in cars, show up in helicopters. Um, they behave. I don't want to say in a smart way or even a tactical way, but definitely in the challenging way. So um, overall, the DMZ mode, I, I think it's maybe a little half baked. I think they're going to have to add in. Um, some really um, clear reasons why you are playing it other than leveling up. You can level up really quickly because you can do so much PVE that you just, um, even if you end up dying, you can still get a ton of XP from each round. Now with Warzone, like I said, I played DMZ more. I've only played maybe four or five rounds of Warzone um, and it feels like Warzone. Um, it does have all the contracts and it actually has a lot of... Um, a lot of the features from towards the end of the original Warzone, uh, they obviously like learn their lessons, right? So it, it's a good experience. The, the one thing that I find tough about Warzone compared to a game like Apex Legends is in Apex, I feel like you you have the time to kill is if if you are smart, you can prolong your life pretty well um, and, and make a play and either you know like win a fight or get away and live to fight another day with Warzone, And this is the same with DMZ. Um, you just, you die really fast. And, and, and maybe that's what people enjoy about the experience. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's what people want. I don't love it. Um, and, that, and that's even me saying this from like, I like Tarkov. Well, Tarkov, you can die instantly. Um, I just don't know if, if that's the experience I want with a call of duty game. But I also don't want it to be this thing where you're like laying into people with like three magazines, like in the division dark zone or something like that. So it's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm kind of mixed on it. I think I will keep playing it. I did get the battle pass. Um, I at least want to do one. Um, I, I want to make myself keep playing it this season. And a part of the reason I'm willing to invest in it is because we know that you know there won't be a new Call of Duty game next year. So whether it's, you know, their story that comes out or just a ton of new multiplayer and additions to this stuff, we know that Call of Duty isn't just going to, you know, there, there just won't be another one next year. Um, I think they've already announced that there's going to be like a big DLC of some capacity next year or an expansion or um, whatever you want to call it. So um, I'm willing to invest in it because I, I know that a year from now I'll be able to jump in and keep playing. Um, which for a Call of Duty game, you don't always get to say. So, so there's that. So far, so good. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, Call of Duty. I think I've gotten my money's worth and then some so far. Okay, the Game Awards. So um, all the nominees were announced. That uh, show will take place on December 8th. Um, 
and uh, they released a list of nominees and that we were able to vote. Um, what I kind of wanted to do was point out um, a, a, f- a few uh, of the categories that I thought were kind of interesting. Um, I, I think uh, for the most part, it, it's kind of funny. There's like four games that felt like they were listed on every single category. Um, so game of the year, uh, they have a Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. For full di- disclosure, I don't know anything about Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I've seen Jeff Grubb play it for like an hour. Uh, not my type of game, but seems like people really, really like it. It's on this list. Uh, Stray, I've seen a lot of reviews and gameplay on um, Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok and Elden Ring, the same. I've watched, I, when Elden Ring was high, I bet I watched 20 or 30 hours of streams of that game. Um, and uh, the Vidi Vidya or whatever his name is. Um, I've watched a lot of the lore videos too. I, I do think it's interesting. Um, and then a Plague Tale Requiem. So my personal choice for this would be a Plague Tale Requiem. Um, and it's really not even close. Um, I'm, I'm someone who recognizes that I'm sure Elden Ring and Ragnarok are probably better games to more people. And that's fine. I haven't played them. I'm not going to. Um, I appreciate them. I know they're super good. Uh, I know that they Metacritic tighter and higher and stuff like that. I know that one of those two games is probably going to win. My choice is a Playtale Requiem because it made me cry. So um, I, I do think it's interesting. I really don't think Stray should be on here. And even people who I saw who liked Stray, it seems like a lot of them didn't think it should be either. Um, and if there was going to be like an indie title on here, it should have been maybe Sifu. Um, I would have said The Cult of the Lamb. Um, I've even seen some people say like vampire, um, oh, that vampire game, um, a vampire survivor, uh, or like neon white and things like that. Um, for me, it would have been cult of the lamb, um, stray. I, I talked about it before. I, I think that there, that there there's, and this isn't like a console war thing. It's just, there's a Sony lean, there's a Sony bias, right? And, and it's not because, you know, the journalists who voted are like bad or anything. It's because Sony has been at the top of their game for a really long time. So I think a lot of journalists and a lot of the people who are involved in doing the, this voting are big fans of Sony because they've given them a bunch of really good product and they've given them a bunch of good games to play and review. And so, you know, they make good stuff. So people like them. There's nothing wrong with that. I do think you see that here though, like with a game like stray, um, I I don't think Stray was that good of a game. It was just like a neat indie game, but it doesn't seem like it was really that good. Um, If it was a multi-platform or something, I just don't think it would be on this list. I could be wrong. Um, So I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to wait and see who wins that one. My guess is that Elden Ring is still going to win. I think I'm curious. Uh, if the voting is happening this week for everyone, um, if the voting happened last week, I think God of War Ragnarok would have won. I, I'm wondering and I'm thinking that maybe some people who would have voted Elden Ring and then God of War came out and they would have been like, no, I like this more because it's new and because it, it's fresh. I think the longer the voting happens after Ragnarok comes out, the more of a chance Elden Ring has again. 
because I've seen you know people talking and, and even my own experience from watching through the God of War story and um, kind of experiencing that game from a third person. Um, I, it, it's it seems like when you're in the moment, it, it, it seems a lot better. Um, but I think if you take a step back and if someone played like Elden Ring really hard and God of War really hard, I suspect once they take a step back, they they are going to recognize that Elden Ring just did more, um, evolved more, set a new standard more, and stuff like that. Where God of War just like made a really good sequel. And uh, I don't know. I, I think that I think that's what the difference is going to be. I think Elden Ring is going to win, uh, but I will I will uh, pump my fist and 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 hold and hope that my little game that could uh, Requiem uh, maybe gets a chance. This is a situation where it may be surprising which one wins because if enough people really liked Horizon Forbidden West, again, I think that game is on here because of that lane for sure. Um, I, in, in the sense that God of War Ragnarok is just like a really good sequel, uh, not to downplay that, it's you know the game it's a sequel of is one of the best games ever made. So it's a compliment to Ragnarok. Horizon was like an okay sequel of a game that people really liked, right? Um, but definitely not in the same capacity. I, I really think it's weird that that game, and it got like most, it got nominated in a lot of categories. But what do I know? I'm just a big dummy. Um, a category I do think Requiem can win is Best Narrative. So Best Narrative is a Playtale Requiem, Elden Ring, God War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, and then Immortality is the odd man out in this one. That's that weird film movie. Um, this is, I feel like Best Narrative is often a category where games get a nod that people know aren't going to win game of the year. So like if someone, if the voters, if the, if one of the voters is like, well, I know I'm voting for Elden Ring for for game of the year so i'll i'll throw god of war a bone here uh or you know the same situation with other games um this is the one i hope i hope requiem wins this is one that i think ragnarok is almost certainly going to win um with both of these categories though there's been a really interesting conversation over the last week or so um of is uh, basically the question comes down to does elden ring have a story you know why is elden ring in best narrative because there's a lot of people who don't feel like it has a story um, and the reason they feel that way is because Elden Ring's story is pretty minimal in the actual like playing from beginning to finish. Um, and you really have to do a lot of your own work um, to really get a lot of the lore, um, your own research, or be lazy like me and watch YouTubers and stuff who do all the research and then make these really interesting videos that make connections that you would have never um, come up with on your own. And... Um, you know, how can you compare a game like that to one like Requiem or Ragnarok or Forbidden West um, that really just you just play through the story? It's just you start the game, you play through the story, it puts it all right in your face like it just shoves it right into your eyes. You enjoy it, you cry, you laugh, you you you, you whatever, and then you finish the game and, and it's over. Um, it, it's 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 really interesting. Um, and and I, I don't really have a solid opinion on it. Um, it's almost like they need like a best lore uh, and a best narrative category and where like Elden Ring would clean up in that. Um, but I, I mean, they're not going to do that. Right. And, um, I, I think it's very subjective. And so if people vote for Elden Ring and best narrative, because they believe it told the best story, then hats off to them. Congratulations. Uh, you know, the, the people voting get to decide. So, um, you know, people put this on the list because uh, they believe it. 
And, and I think that's what you have to go with. Uh, another category I thought was interesting was Best Indie. Um, Cult of the Lamb, Neon White, Sifu, Stray, and Tunic. Um, myself, I was a really big fan of Cult of the Lamb and Tunic. Um, Tunic, I actually found too hard. And I know that there's like accessibility options where you can make it basically super easy. Uh, I just didn't want to do that. I just I played Tunic as much as I felt like I needed to, and then I stopped. It was on Game Pass, so I didn't feel like I you know lost anything there. I got my money's worth. Um, but Cult of the Lamb for me on this list is an easy winner. Um, I, I played quite a bit of it, got really into it, and just um, yeah, it was Cult of the Lamb was really good. Very pretty, amazing soundtrack, uh, a lot of fun. Obviously, it's like a farming, you know, like roguelike kind of game. And so, you know, it, it didn't have the deepest story or anything. What you see is kind of what you get with it. But I still really, really, really enjoyed it. And um, uh, I, I saw a lot of Neon White, um, just not my type of thing. Sifu uh, was an exclusive on a platform I don't own. So um, it seemed really, really good. The people who played it seemed to love it. And then Stray, we're back to that. So for me, it's Cult of the Lamb. I really hope. Uh, I hope this is the one that they get the nod for because they obviously aren't going to win Game of the Year or anything. They're not nominated. But I really hope that um, Best Indie is where Cult of the Lamb gets their uh, gets their flowers, as the kids say now. Uh, one that was really interesting that had a lot of chatter was Best Fighting Game. I don't know anything about fighting games. So the nominees were DNF Duel, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, All-Star Battle R, The King of Fighter 15, Multiverse, and Sifu. Uh, the reason I put this one on here is because the conversation around this was really interesting, similar to the conversation of should Elden Ring be on best narrative because does it really tell a direct story? Uh, well, this one here was why is Sifu in the best fighting game category? Because the other four or five games are all like PvP fighters where you fight against each other in some capacity. Uh, Multiverse is kind of a, um, oh, a, it's like a Smash Bros type game. And then the other ones, I believe, are just kind of typical fighting games. Uh, where Sifu is a PvE single player, like you just fight through a bunch of levels, uh, but you don't fight another person. As far as I know, maybe they added a PvP mode. But what I saw was people, you know, playing the story. And so there was a lot of hubbub about like, you know, one of these is not like the other kind of a thing. And I think that was a pretty fair take. It would be like, if the, like there's a racing category and if you put like, I don't know, like Sifu in that and said like, well, you can race your friends. I, I don't know. I, I thought that one was really interesting. Um, and I'm kind of curious if you're listening, uh, maybe let me know in the comments of the YouTube video or something. If, if you think Sifu should have been in the, uh, the fighting game category, uh, cause you do fight technically. So, um, there's a bunch more categories. You can go vote. Um, I believe 10% of the vote for most of the categories will come from the fans. Um, so that will, I bet, I think there's a very real chance that game of the year may be swayed by the fan vote. Um, I think it's going to be that close between people voting um, for Elden Ring and Ragnarok, probably in kind of a split fashion. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the, whatever one of those gets the most fan votes ends up winning, because I think it could be a matter of a few percent. So we'll have to wait and see. Okay, so the next story is the Xbox Series X has received a price cut. Uh, so for the holiday, uh, Xbox has lowered the price of the Series S uh, to $249.99. 
it's a pretty big deal, um, especially in a world where not too long ago, PlayStation raised the price of their um, PlayStation 5 in all markets besides the United States <laughs> very conveniently, though I think that's going to change. Um, PlayStation is putting out a new revision, um, and it may be kind of like a slim model of the PS5, and everyone's expecting that to be 550 um, no matter... Um, where you buy it, even in, in the United States. We'll have to wait to see about that. Um, this is an interesting deal. This comes on the heels of a lot of discussion about the Series S and whether devs feel like it's like holding next-gen games back. We are moving into you know a couple years down the road where uh, games in 2023 are probably not going to come out on the Xbox One and PS4. So we're going to start seeing games coming out that are only going to be on the Series S, the Series X, and the PS5, uh, and PC, obviously. And that conversation has really led to a lot of discussion about, like, does the Series S being a pretty pared-down Series X um, cause issues for developers moving forward? Because the Series X and the PS5, for all intents and purposes, are the same console. They, they are very, very, very similar technology-wise. Where the Series S is a pretty it's it's a good machine but it is pared down quite a bit and so um that discussion we've talked about this before um i don't take too much from it because the series s is still more powerful than the minimum specs that most games post for pc um so until that until the minimum specs for games starts to go way past the series s um, I don't really see how devs are struggling with the Series S because they're already making the game work on less powerful hardware. Regardless, being able to get one of these systems for 250 um, is pretty good. You're going to get uh, a 1080p next-gen experience for 250 if that's what you want. Um, at one point, the Series S was really being touted as a 1440p or a, a technically 2K machine. It's probably not that. It's definitely more of a 1080p machine, but it will do ray tracing. It will do some of this next-gen stuff. The biggest thing about the Series S over, say, like, say you have like a, an Xbox One X um, and you want to upgrade, but you don't want to drop the 500 bucks on a Series X, uh, this, the, the Series S is is probably worth it simply because of the um the nvme drive the m.2 um that that memory speed the loading speed all that is really nice on the new systems and it just simply is always going to be better than even a usb drive plugged into your xbox one x um, but especially better than a mechanical drive that is inside those old systems um that I don't know. I think those were 5,600 RPM uh, mechanical drives, um, but even like a 75 or 7,600 RPM drive I had that was a mechanical drive was just, you know, like going through molasses compared to an M.2. So um, I, that $250 deal is pretty good. I definitely didn't expect them to lower the price of a console. Conveniently, they haven't lowered the price of the Series X. Uh, my impression is that those are still somewhat hard to get. And so while there's demand for them, they're going to keep charging more for them. Um, but for the Series S, it seems like they're really selling out on, uh, they, they claim that at the $300 price mark, they lose 100 bucks on every one of those systems. Um, so now they're losing 150 bucks on each one, obviously with the intent of trying to get people in um, to do Game Pass and, and to buy games digitally and stuff like that. So 
if you want a next gen system, uh, maybe to throw in the living room or something, it seems like that might be a pretty good deal. Okay, next story, uh, Battlefield 2042 has revealed a Season 3. So the Season 3 is going to have a new map, a new specialist, um, a bunch of new like vehicles. Well, it's going to have a new tank, uh, as well as some other new vehicles, and a bunch of new weapons. Uh, it's also going to have a new Battle Pass. So for the new map, um, it looks really good. They just showed the trailer with it, um, but it seems very much in the style of the other 2042 maps which I think are really good. I like their maps a lot in that game. Um, the new specialist is an assault specialist. I didn't fully grasp what their whole deal is, but um, I'll always take more stuff to do. Um, the new hardware is really interesting. So one of the new things is a new tank that is like a futuristic tank that has a railgun on it instead of a typical cannon. Um, this is reminiscent of Battlefield 4, where one of the later patches introduced a bunch of futuristic tech um, there's, uh, another game called Battlefield, um, oh, is it 20 or 2140 or something like that? Um, that was a very futuristic combat game. Um, and it seems like they're kind of leading back up to something like that, which is, uh, is exciting. Uh, there's also, I think three new guns that are all futuristic, like railgun type guns. Um, and so it is cool to see them finally starting to delve into that future tech thing, um, that, it, the, the thing about it though is that the future tech weapons are like super bulky and really awkward looking because they're trying to portray that these aren't like future laser weapons they're like these clunky like you know awkward guns that they still haven't quite refined yet i think it looks really great um they have i i'm assuming i may be out of the loop here i know they're they're trying to bring back the classes um because they have the specializations now which was very um kind of like team shooter ish kind of stuff uh even like an apex legends type of thing that they tried to do um the, with 2042 which a lot of people didn't like including myself um it seems like instead they are gonna i think they're gonna keep that system in some capacity but they are gonna bring back the like sniper medic assault uh, uh oh what was the other one engineer uh like kind of classes um, because like right now, like I, I've always liked the old games because like if you wanted to revive people or at least do it quickly, you had to be a medic. Um, if you wanted to use certain equipment, you had to be a sniper. If you wanted to have certain um, other equipment or grenades or something, you had to be an assault. Um, I, I liked having that 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 dif the differentiation. Uh, and so like if you joined a squad and you saw that there was like one sniper, two engineers and one assault, you'd be like, okay, I probably need to be an assault so I can provide the things that the assault can provide. Um, and so I really like 2042. Um, I've really enjoyed call of duty. I still like 2042 more. Um, I've, I've played a lot of both and I plan on jumping back into 2042 for season three. Um, I, I, you know, I've seen on multiple podcasts and stuff recently where these guests will be on a podcast like Jeff Grubb's podcast or something and be like, yeah, 2042, what a dog of a game. And it's like you can tell the person probably never played or they played like the release week and it was bad. It wasn't great that first week or so, um, but they've really made huge strides in making that game better. And um, it, it's it's really it's a really good battlefield game at this point. Um, it's not the best. It definitely started off on the wrong foot, um, and it's probably not going to get back like get to where it should have been. But it's it's really good, and I, and I think it should be treated that way. Um, and so it definitely kind of uh, 
grinds my gears a bit when I see, you know, these people who, you know, are getting like the easy, the easy clicks, you know, being like, oh yeah, 2042 is terrible. And it's like, it's really not, it's actually pretty good. Um, and, and you obviously are just kind of, you know, buying the bait, but you know, at the same time, DICE and EA kind of deserves that treatment to a point because the game should have never came out in the state it did. So, so I guess they're reaping what they sowed. Okay, um, the the Division Two had an update this week, um, and it was a couple of small things, but there was one thing where they took an outfit from a previous uh, event uh, or release that was just like really ugly sweatsuit. I'm just gonna call it for what it was, and the old one that you could, I think you could get for free had like yellow, uh, like like little, little tiny little patches of yellow on it. Well, this one has pink. And they're charging 640 premium credits for it. I have no idea why. One, the apparel is it's just ugly. It's the most plain. It's like an off gray. Like it doesn't look good. Um, and then all it was so funny. The screenshot they showed in this announcement had. Uh, so in, in the division, you pick like a shirt, pants, hat, like necklace thing and, and boots for your apparel. Well, you also have equipment that's like your loot from the game. So you have knee pads, a chest rig, a backpack, um, a face mask, and a holster. Well, in this picture, all of those items, the, the equipment items, were like this like black color. And the apparel was this grayish color with little pink accents. And it just looked so bad. And it's just such a weird, like, like the decision to do this, like they didn't, they could have just put this into the loot pool, uh, or, or, or made it so you could buy it with like the free currency you can earn, but instead they, they put it in for money and it's 600, 640 premium, premium credits. And the reason this really got, really got to me is because one, it's awful. No one should be paying anything for this. And two, it's 640 credits. Um, the, the, the credits you can buy in the division two are uh, 500 and it's like plus like 50 like bonus credits or something or a thousand where I think you get a hundred bonus credits and that's $5 or $10. So you can't buy the minimum amount of coins and get this item. Say, say you love this ugly, you know, pink and gray sweatsuit thing. You, you can't just pay like the five bucks and just get it. And, you know, like if they made this item 500 point, like uh, credits, I'd be like, okay, whatever. Like they're giving it, if you want it for five bucks, you can do it. But no, you have to pay 10 bucks and get a thousand or technically 1100 credits. And then you have to, and then you can buy it, this awful item. And then you're left with like 500 credits. And the next item that they put out is going to be 640 credits again. And if you really want it, you're going to have to buy that $5 bundle. So instead of paying five bucks each time and just get what you want, they, they make it so like you'll never be able to use all of your credits. Um, and, and there's been issues with that in the past with like regulators and stuff and people being like, hey, like these systems, why, one, why you should just be able to pay like like this thing should have just been like two bucks. Like you should just be able to pay two dollars and get that item. But instead, you have to buy these, you know, they have to buy their own currency. And it just, ugh, it really annoyed me because of the pricing, the way that it, it basically forces you in to a, a bigger purchase than you want. And two, because it's just so ugly. It's so awful. And, and I'm sure whoever on the team decided to do this, there was probably pressure from up above where like, hey, you know, I'm sure someone at Ubisoft or something was like, hey, you guys need to add more items for people to buy. We need to get that revenue stream going because I bet the player base isn't looking super great on the Division 2 right now. 
uh, especially with them delaying like the last target of the current manhunt for like three more weeks. I just don't. Ugh. So, yeah, I don't know. Pretty gross. Um, I still consider myself a pretty huge division fan. I still consider myself a pretty big fan of the people who work on that game, but I've am pretty close to basically just not even thinking about that game and except for when they release new content that I'll do in two hours. I don't know. Weird, weird stuff to me. Uh, and more Ubisoft news. We had a uh, Splinter Cell remake concept art release. There was a anniversary uh, video and tweet for Splinter Cell. Um, it is kind of funny with them being like, we love Splinter Cell. Uh, and unfortunately, for the last 10 years, we've relegated it to being in uh, uh, Ghost Recon, uh, Wildlands, and Breakpoint which have been two of the biggest disservices to the Tom Clancy name uh, in the last 30 years. Um, they, they've, they've, with Splinter Cell has existed, but uh, old Sam Fisher has been playing in someone else's backyard and it was pretty lame. Um, but, you know, they're celebrating it now and a big part of the celebration was them releasing concept art for the next game that's coming up. So um, this this next game for Splinter Cell is actually a remake. Go figure. It's, it's the remake generation. Um, and it's going to be a remake of the first Splinter Cell, but in an all-new engine, I believe it's going to use Snowdrop, which is what the Division uses. Um, and they're basically going to take the first game and modernize it, uh, but still try to keep the feel of it. Or at least that's what they've said. That's what they say in this celebration. Um, the concept art looks really, really, really good, as it should, because it's concept art. Um, hopefully, the kind of mood that they are suggesting and kind of... Um, uh, making it look like they're, they're going for is what they do go for because uh, it looks great and I'm excited. Uh, I would love to play. I never got into the Splinter Cell games. I tried to play Chaos Theory a couple years ago and just couldn't get into it. And uh, But I would be curious to get into a, a modernized experience. Speaking of modernized, we have the NVIDIA RTX 4080 reviews coming out. So um, this is a $1,200 second tier card. Um, the, the 4090 came out a month or so ago. Um, and it's so uh, 16, 1700 bucks. So just so you know, the 3080 that came out uh, a couple years ago, uh, I believe was six or $700. Uh, so this one is a good $500 more uh, at least. And um, it's just NVIDIA saying, hey, we know not as many people are going to buy this because it's so expensive, but enough will that we won't lose money. Um, it, it, there's also a lot of thought that they, uh, during the crypto crap, they made a ton of three uh, of 3000 series cards um, and they didn't push them. They didn't get them out. And, but they were making them, and now that crypto has died off pretty substantially, uh, they have all this excess 3000 series uh, st inventory. And so there is some thought that they may have the prices on these 4000 series cards so high to push people towards the 3000 to get through all that inventory. And then we may see a, a magical big price drop um, to get those into more reasonable um, price brackets once they get through their 3000 series stock. I don't know. Um, I, I'm always like a generation behind on PC hardware, and which is where I'm happy to be. Like I have a 3000 series Ryzen uh, CPU. I do have a 3060, um, but, but before that I had a 2080 Super, which I honestly should have stuck with. Um, I'm always happy being like, 
three, two or three years behind on PC stuff. And that's, that's where it's much more affordable, at least in my opinion. I mean, the reviews on this is that it's a really good card. Um, it doesn't seem to have the same like issues with potentially burning out its power cord. Like the 4090 has, um, digital, uh, not digital foundry. Um, the uh, Gamers Nexus and a bunch of other tech uh, YouTubers uh, have been investigating the 4090 actually melting its power connector and potentially causing fires um, and found that it's basically an issue where if the power cord isn't plugged in completely, it like basically uh, just creates too much heat uh, from a loose connection and can cause the problems. Apparently, even if it's plugged in right, it can still cause an issue. It's just way less likely. Uh, and so... No one cares. They'll, they'll fix this. They'll send out new cards. They'll replace cards um, that get broken, whatever. Um, I, I, what I'm really curious about is what the 4070 and the 4060 and 4060 Ti are going to look like. Because if the 4060 is like $600 and the 47 is going to be like $900, I, like, I was considering like a 4060 Ti or something because um, I like that, like the slightly upgraded model of the bottom tier. That's kind of where I live. Um, but if it's going to be like six or $700 where, um, it should be like three fifty or so. Um, I just, uh, I don't know. I just can't get down with it. So, um, yeah. Uh, so we had a few new games come out this week. So we had Pentiment come out. This is a Xbox exclusive game, um, made by Obsidian, uh, one of their like 10 projects. And, um, uh, it, it's an interesting one. So it got a Metacritic uh, score uh, currently of 86, which is really, really good, especially because it's a like artsy fartsy side scrolling uh, murder mystery investigation game that has a speech system that a lot of people have compared to Fallout, which makes sense. It's Obsidian. Um, they, they made uh, New Vegas, uh, the Fallout game, and uh, which by a lot of people is considered the best one, you know. So, um, the reviews on it are really good. It seems like it's for a very specific kind of person that not everyone's going to love this game. Um, one of the more interesting bits of insight I've seen is from Jeff Grubb, who has basically said, like, Pentiment is really good and it deserves all of the accolades it's going to get. Um, but it also seems like a passion project by Obsidian. And it seems like the type of game where Obsidian or where Xbox said, okay, fine, you can make Pentiment. But next, you have to make a thing that we want you to make, which is going to be like New Vegas 2 or something like that. Um, that thought is even reinforced by the fact that people aren't expecting like a Fallout 5 for probably, I mean, it, like, like they're about to put Starfield out in 2023. The next Elden, Elder Scrolls game is probably going to come out in like 2030 or, or maybe like 20. 28 or you know ish which would put fallout 5 in the 2030s and then when i start thinking about how old i'm gonna be when that happens that depresses me so the thought is that obsidian may get um the opportunity to make another like spin-off fallout game uh that would come out in like 2026 or something to kind of you know give people that experience but not having to wait 15 years for it so um i'm really happy that pentiment did well i think pentiment is the type of game that only exists 
one probably because of a nice little handshake deal to, for their next game, but also because of Game Pass. Um, and, and a lot of people wouldn't play Pentiment if it wasn't for Game Pass, but they're gonna play it and they're gonna love it. And it's gonna maybe even introduce them to a genre of games they didn't know they liked. And um, and, that, and that's one of the best parts of of Game Pass to me. So good on them. Uh, Pokemon Violet and Scarlet also came out and it has a Metacritic score of 77. This one's been really interesting for me because uh, I watch like a lot of kind of funny and I've also, you know, I watch a lot of other podcasts and stuff. And the general thing is that like, this is a really good Pokemon game that is completely ruined by the switch. Um, the switch at this point is like completely outdated hardware. Um, you know, like I'm under, the, I believe like most cell phones are significantly more powerful than the Switch is because the Switch is essentially a cell phone. Um, it, it, the hardware it's using is at this point pretty old. Uh, I think it's an NVIDIA, uh, is it the Tegra? It, it, it's, a, it's a CPU GPU that NVIDIA made. Um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's assumed that the next Switch is going to have like much more powerful hardware and probably have the ability to use DLSS, which is gonna be a big deal. Um, but the current one doesn't. The current Switch is very old. And then more recent games released, um, like Xenoblade, uh, games like Bayonetta 3, um, you know, it was noted how much the Switch was holding those games back, but they were still fun to play. Um, it's a pretty common thread I've seen and that the Pokemon game is like bad. Like it's not fun to play. It, it's a, it's, it seems it's a good game with good mechanics, but it's not, it's a bad experience because of the failings of the, um, because of the hardware. Um, it is interesting. Like one reviewer I saw give it a four out of five and like really rip on how awful it is to play, but how they think that there's a good game under it. But like the things that they're saying, it's not like, it's just like, it's not a consistent 30 frames. Like they're talking about like literally you're seeing times where the frames will drop down to like one to five frames per second when things are happening on the game. And like, that's not playable. And so I, I do have a pretty big problem with people who would give, you know, essentially an 80 out of a hundred um, to a game. And then you see with the Metacritic score, I mean, it has a 77. That's not amazing, but from the reports and from the reviews I'm hearing about it, it's, it is surprising. I would expect it to be down in the sixties or at least the low seventies. So, uh, the, yeah, I mean, it's Pokemon, so it's going to sell 20 million copies or whatever. Um, but it definitely seems like at some point game freak is gonna, uh, who makes Pokemon is going to have to like make a modern game one day. Um, they, they, they've basically been able to keep making these games that are like two generations behind for years. Uh, you know, they can blame the switch or they can blame the hardware or whatever, but at some point they're going to have to modernize, I guess. Maybe they don't, maybe this game's going to make so much money that, you know, they, they don't care. They'll just keep pumping out these, you know, two generation old mobile games and, and we'll just keep buying it. We'll, we'll see. Uh, there are a couple things I played or watched uh, that I wanted to talk about. So Vampire Survivor, um, this is a game. It's a little tiny indie game. It just came out on Game Pass. It's been out on PC for a while. Um, it's just this little dungeon crawler game. Uh, it's like a roguelike kind of. And it um, it's really interesting. It has a very good soundtrack. It's very like pick up and go and you die and you just jump back in. And it's uh, But there is still like progression that you can do with boost and stats and things like that. Um, so it's one of those games where it's like, I think it's addictive. It's very satisfying to play and I like it. 
it's a good like seven and a half out of ten for me. But then I've seen people saying that like this game should have been nominated for game of the year. And that's where I like wanna like pump them brakes, baby. Like I it's not that good. It looks like crap. Um, it plays pretty well. It's very frustrating as you get deeper into it. Um, but it's supposed to be. I just like like this is one of those games where it's like an indie game I have a lot of respect for. Um, because it's kinda like punching above its weight to a point. Uh, but then you, you you throw out game of the year for me, and and I have to start kind of like tilting my head, like, nah, <laughs> nah, man, this ain't game of the year. But it's a lot of fun. So if you have Game Pass, or I think it's fairly cheap on Steam, um, if you want something to blow a bunch of hours in, uh, just to have some fun with and to learn, I highly suggest Vampire Survivor. Uh, and then Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Now this is a TV show. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's an anime uh, set in the cyberpunk world. Uh, it's been out for a while. I'm definitely late to the show here, um, and I'm not going to give any spoilers. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed this. It, it was really sweet. Um, I had the ending ruined for me before I even started it. Uh, I, I just happened like someone had a video like the end of Edge Runners, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch this. And it didn't make a whole lot of sense uh, at the time. And it almost maybe enhanced the, 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 the watching of the series, though, because like I knew where it was going. And I saw these relationships building and these characters interacting. And there was like this where the, up until basically the last episode in my brain, I'm like, how are they going to get to the thing I saw at the end? And then they do. And it makes more sense uh, through a whole viewing. Very good show. Um, it really makes me want to watch Arcane, which is also on Netflix. It's a uh, anime show. It's an animated show uh, for the League of Legends uh, game, uh, which I'm not into at all. But I really like their art style, um, and so now I may have to go down a uh, down an animated path for a while. Okay, so uh, listener questions. We didn't get any today. I had. I'm busy tonight. This I'm recording this on Monday afternoon or Friday afternoon. Um, I'm busy this evening, so I had to record early. Um, so if anyone has questions that come in late, I'll do them next week. Um, if you have your own questions or topics that you want me to cover or stories that you want me to talk about, um, be sure to jump into my Discord. There's a link in the description of the podcast. Uh, jump into the Discord. Let me know. You can also let me know on Twitter as long as it exists, um, on the YouTube comments and a bunch of other places. So please let me know if you have anything you would like me to comment on. Uh, as for polls, I did a quick poll. It does, it doesn't have very many responses yet, but I'll st I'll still talk about it. Um, so I I said, what do you watch the game awards for? Uh, I said the awards, the trailers, and announcements, or I don't watch. Zero uh, percent said awards. I think it was around fifty votes. Um, sixty three point three percent said trailers and announcements, and thirty six percent, thirty six point seven percent said I don't watch. So, um, I, I'm in the same boat. It's really funny how there was like a bunch of like drama and uh, and, and arguments and stuff about the nominees for the Game Awards. Um, but literally on December 9th, no one's going to care about the game awards besides who won game of the year. Uh, and then otherwise no one's going to ever talk about it ever again. People are there to see the trailers, um, for upcoming games for newly announced games and things like that. Uh, and that's, that's why I'm watching. I'm not really, uh, there for, uh, uh, for, for the awards. It, it, it's cool to see them get recognized. Uh, these people who work so hard on these games, but I'm not super worried about who wins or loses. Okay, so some content updates. Um, there will be something coming down the pipe for Anchor ads. So I upload my podcast through Anchor. 
um, and it distributes it to Spotify and iTunes and all those other places. Um, I finally got, after two years, invited to their ad program. Um, so I'm going to start putting ads on the show. So there's a few things with that. One, if you don't want ads, um, you can watch on YouTube. Uh, and, and that ad situation, either you have premium or not. I don't put ads on my YouTube videos, but YouTube might. Um, or you can watch um, or you can listen on um, uh, Patreon. So I post a uh, the, the, the version post on Patreon will have zero ads. Um, so if those ads start rolling and you get annoyed by them, you do have options to get away from them. Um, but, you know. I, I, I think I, I do a lot of good work with this, and I think ad, putting those ads in there uh, is okay, uh, especially if they're fairly minimal. Now, on that note, uh, if those ads do start playing here in the next couple weeks and and that you start getting some weird ads, um, I can I can basically opt out of certain topics. And so if you get a weird ad, uh, please tell me about it and tell me what it was about or who the company was uh, that the ad was for. And so... If it's something like gross or like hyper political or just stuff like that, like I don't really want to be associated with all of that. Um, you know, let me know basically, and I can try to alleviate that issue. Uh, and then with Twitter, you know, everyone thought Twitter was going to shut down on Friday, the day I'm recording this. That obviously didn't happen. Um, things do seem pretty bad over there. Um, Twitter is the main place that I interact with people, so I am, you know, keeping an eye on it because. I don't want Twitter to go away, um, but it definitely seems like they're going to be having issues with staffing and stuff. Um, and I'm kind of curious to how it's going to hold up. Uh, so, you know, in the description of this podcast or even on my Twitter right now, um, there's a there's a bunch of other places you can follow me. You can come into my Discord. You can follow me on Instagram. Um, I did add a Mastodon and a Tumblr. I don't know if I'm ever going to use those, but they're on there if you want to follow me there. Uh, on Twitch, on YouTube, there's a bunch of places where um, if the worst comes to worse, I'll still be around. Um, my whole point is that like MySpace still exists, uh, so I don't think that Twitter is ever going to shut down. I do think things could happen there where it becomes so inundated with bad actors where the site could just start running so badly that a lot of people are going to leave and it's just going to become a less exciting place to be uh, to the point where people just stop messing with it because it just isn't what it used to be. I could definitely see that happen over months, um, if not years. And so just, you know, if you like people, try to follow them in more than one place because I suspect another place uh, may be the destination eventually. And that's where I'm going to wrap this thing up. Uh, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please rate and review the podcast. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like the video, and comment down below, even if it's just to help the algorithm. You can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and on Twitch, and Mastodon, and Tumblr, and uh, most other places. If you're interested in supporting the show and my other content, and getting a few perks along with it, please check out patreon.com slash bonddiesel or use your Amazon uh, Twitch Prime sub over at twitch.tv slash bonddiesel. That is all I have. So until next time.